dive into that in a moment. But uh, just real quick, I want to tell you a, a story, kind of a, a quick testimony of a young man named Stephen. He's a 35-year-old musician, makes his living as a professional pianist. He's also my wife's cousin. And in late December, he was in a very serious accident in Washington State. His vehicle hit black ice, and the car crashed and crunched, and it was just massive, very, you know, life-threatening, and he went into a coma. And so after emergency transfer to the local trauma center, they found that he had broken his neck, and because of the place in the neck where it had been broken, that he had lost, at least for an hour or more, he would lost oxygen to his brain. And uh, so, but he had a praying mama, <laughs> all right? So the doctors were ready to remove him from life support. In fact, within a couple of weeks, the doctors encouraged the family to unplug him or let them unplug him. And they had good news. They said, well, you know, his, we'll give his organs to, you know, maybe like 10 people. Oh, thank you. You're, you're killing my son, but I'm, you know, I'm going to, no. So the family said, no, we're not ready for that. They said, well, the only other option right now is we get him out of, the, the, out of here and we send him to an intensive care unit. Uh, they transferred him over to this care center about six weeks ago. And they said, you know, you know, we'll send him to the care center. That's 20 years that way. So they're kind of given bad news later and uh, feed him through a tube. You know, he could last 20 years that way. So they're kind of given bad news at the same time that they're saying, hey, we're going to go to this next step. Most people expected him to die. But he had to pray and mama. Uh, three days ago, he woke up. He got out of bed. And he walked across the room, and he hugged his mama. Now, now, what you don't know is he had been estranged with his mother for about two years. So how in the world, why in the world would God reunite a son and a mother like this? But they're reunited. Relationships are, are healed. There's really good things happening. You know, obviously, he's going to need some um, physical therapy, but he's good. Uh, there's, you know, there's no sign. No, uh, the broken neck, there's no sign. He was in a brace, but there's no sign. Um, at this point, no sign of major brain deficiency. God performed a total miracle on this man. And I think the doctors were definitely right about at least one thing. He will live at least another 20 years, but not because he's hooked up to machines. Amen? He's going to be out living the life that God created for him. So I wanted to build your faith this morning and uh, open with that. And Ephesians chapter 4, now I've got a lot of material to go through. Uh, there are uh, 8,633 verses in Ephesians chapter 4. No, actually there's only 32. But uh, I'm going to try to run us through, literally I'm going to try to race through some of this. And some of you, you're going to like want to sleep and it's okay. I always say church is a really wonderful place to sleep. It's safer than, you know, down at the transit center We've got heat on, you know, we've got uh, nice soft chairs, probably no one will steal your purse or your wallet, you know, and it's a safe, if you, if you came to church and you need to take a nap, my brother, my sister, be blessed. Let's all, let's all pray right now. No, just kidding, just kidding. So, so, <clears throat> but seriously, sometimes, uh, you know, without commercials, <laughs> we're not sure what to do with ourselves. And so there's a little bit of discipline required to go through a big section of, of Scripture like this. So I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would teach you today. And so I've broken chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, into three sections. Uh, walk worthy, walk united, and walk righteous. 
The one thing we want to know about Ephesians chapter 4 is that we've just opened the door to the second half of the book of Ephesians where the Apostle Paul is talking about the practical ways of living, the practical things about being a Christian. The first three chapters, because there are six chapters, one, two, and three, it's the, he's, he's been downloading you know, the foundations of, of theology. This is how, who we are in Christ, and we get reminded of that a little bit. But now it's kind of like, be nice to each other, be forgiving, don't be angry. So, you know, that can be a little bit, of, um, a little bit of, uh, of work for us to think about those things and process those things. But nevertheless, here's what we hear from uh, the Apostle Paul for the first uh, three verses in Ephesians chapter 4. So, Lord, your word is holy, and as we look into your word today, uh, would you, uh, Lord, would you really touch each one of us with the power of your word, the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us today. Lord, may your presence be strong among us in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, so verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4. One, we're going to go 1 through 3, and then I'll make a few comments. But the Apostle Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity, keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So I've read this section many, many times, and a lot of times in my study and my teaching, what I like to do is I take a passage of Scripture and I like to summarize it, like the executive summary. Just a few words, one line, maybe two lines sometimes. And so what I see in this, uh, to begin with, is that Paul is exhorting us, he's encouraging us as he is bound to Christ. Remember, he's in prison. This was written when he's in, in a, sail, a, a jail cell about A.D. 60, A.D. 62, and he's writing to the church that he had spent a couple of years with. He taught all or part of like two years in and around uh, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus there, and so he knows these people. So he's in prison, and he reminds them, hey, Paul, a, a, a prisoner of Christ. But sometimes, and I know this is kind of like, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily exegetical, like deep, deep into the Greek or anything, but sometimes when I read this, the feeling I get is that Paul is also bound to Christ. He's decided, I'm in jail, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bind myself to Christ and what kind of relationship did Paul have with Christ? I don't know about you. I think my relationship with, with, with God is okay today. How many feel like you're okay with God? All right? I read, when I read Paul's letters, I'm like, wow, wow. I want to be there. I want to be like him. I want to hear the word of God. You know, and I'm not going to write the word of God. We're not going to write the word of God. It's sealed. But we can hear the voice of the Spirit. Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel. But again, I think he had this amazing relationship with Christ. And as we even enter the New Testament, we, fir we first see Paul as a sinner. Does that remind you of anybody? <laughs> you, know, you don't have to bump your neighbor, but you know. We first see Paul as a sinner who's raging against the way of, of Christianity. But then the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he's miraculously converted, knocked off his horse, blinded. A few days later, he gets his side back, and people have messages for him. But we see him as a sinner, then we see him as a saint. So Paul's a real person like you and I. We can trust him. We want to listen to him. Remember, Paul was anointed and used by God in so many ways in the early church. He was inspired by the Spirit. He wrote more than one half of the New Testament. He did itinerant ministry, which we call his... Uh, missionary journeys. He instructed many believers his part in obeying 
The word of God, obeying the Spirit of God and writing so much of the Word of God has impacted and strengthened believers for more than 2,000 years. So I think Paul's somebody we can trust. How many would agree? Say amen. amen. So here's this man with this mantle of an apostle and authority from God who says to people that he's writing to that he loves, he says, walk worthy. Walk worthy. And I've derived from that statement that I feel like he's saying to those he loves, live the way Christ expects you to live. You know, don't disappoint our Lord. Just do your best. In a few verses, we're going to read some of the deeds that we're warned to avoid. But right now, the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, let's be the best we can be. I've, I've been married a few years and been a Christian a few years, and, and I've never awakened in the morning since I've become a Christian and said, okay, today, I think is the day I, I just want to be a lousy Christian, okay? <laughs> or, or, or on the husband's side, right, the marriage. I've never, never been a day when I've awakened where I thought, okay, today's the day I just want to be a lousy husband, all right? So, so we fail and we miss, but we'll see in this passage how Christ knew that we fail and miss, but he gave us power, he gave us a comforter, he gave us the word, he gave us, gave us uh, uh, everything we need to live uh, faithful and successful lives in him. So, <clears throat> in this very first verse, Paul says, I'm bound as a, as a prisoner, but in this very first verse, Paul writes, and I'll just say it again, Paul says, walk worthy. Walk worthy. Christ, live the way Christ expects you to live. And then he jumps to this place where now he's getting personal. He says to the church, he says, well, live, uh, walk worthy. But then he says, now this is pointing at us. Now, you know, my mama used to say, you know, if you point at somebody, you got one finger and three pointing. Okay, so. But he says, be humble, be patient. And I've summarized the rest of this section as promote peace. Be a peacemaker. So be humble, patient, and promote peace. Now, this is always easy, right? Uh, I didn't see too many hands. I have a hard time at times being humble. I have a hard time sometimes being patient. And sometimes I don't promote peace. I want my way. Can anybody here identify? So the good news is that there is a grace by the Spirit that can come upon us to help us and enable us to be humble, gentle, long-suffering, and even to make allowances for others' faults. I don't know about you, but there's something in human nature that, that sometimes rises up is that we just want to fix people, don't we? Huh? Why can't they be like, you know? But through the power of the Spirit, there's a grace that comes upon us that allows us to love people exactly the way they are. So Ephesians 4, verse 4. Let's look at the next little chunk of Scripture here. And uh, actually, I'll uh, shift to this walk united section as well. But there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Christ's gift. So I would say with all those one faith, one... Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is we have one faith, 
one church, one God. There's unity. There's power in unity. We're going to talk about unity here in a minute. And I know at times in the church I pastored before that when our church prayed for unity, we, when we came together as a, as a group like this, we saw, we felt, we experienced a tangible joy and excitement. Uh, we used to call it like a spark of the Holy Spirit because we were in unity. And Paul lays out here, we are not divided. We have one church, one faith, one God. The church was built and birthed upon unity, and there's power in unity. There's strength in unity. I, I think of uh, Psalm 133. You know, it's the one, Behold how good and pleasant it is, and brothers are in unity. The, the message of Psalm 103, 133 that I get when I read it is that when we are in unity, God releases life and healing. There's the water, the, the dew on Mount Hermon, and the oil on Aaron's beard. Oil and water, life and healing. There's something amazing that happens, something supernatural that happens in our church body, in your life, your home, your business, when, when we're in unity. I don't think I've ever uh, been at work or been in an office or a store or somewhere and on the way home said, boy, when I get home, I hope there's uh, arguments and I hope there's bitterness and I hope there's bickering waiting for I just can't wait. I love fighting at home. I love fighting with my wife. I love, no, 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 no. I mean, our homes really are designed to be sanctuaries, places of peace, places where, where the Spirit of God, you know, ministers to us. And so, friends, I, I believe in God's family that unity is a big deal. Uh, let's pray, and I, and I said this uh, earlier, I am determining to pray more for Hillside. We, we are, we can be more united. We are united. This is Hillside Christian Fellowship. You know, again, I'm the new guy coming in from the outside. There's an amazing thing that this congregate, these two congregations, the Gladstone and, and uh, Sunnyside Campus over there, amazing things that we're accomplishing. But I believe that, that unity is a big deal, and I believe that we can, as the Spirit would lead us, pray uh, for more unity, pray to be united. And I believe it makes us unstoppable in our mission. How many would agree? Amen. You know, you got to be careful of those amens, though, because some preachers like me from the South, you know, grew up in Florida. We, we get excited with the amens. So Mike, let's preach an extra few minutes. So. <laughs> just kidding. Just, oh, speaking of an extra few minutes, I promised myself this morning when I got up, I said, self, uh, <laughs> don't preach too long. <laughs> so so I, I have something on my phone called a big clock. And uh, here we go. See, big numbers. I'll lay it right here. Okay. All right. Now, the battery's low, it's going to go off, so I have no idea what time it is here in about five or ten minutes. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> My intent is to stay on time. Let's jump down to, I'm going to skip three or four verses here, but let's jump down to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And we'll read four or five verses here. You guys tracking with me? You doing okay? Yeah. All right, verse 11. This is a big section, so hang on. Take a deep breath. Loosen your seatbelt. All right, and he, Paul's writing, and he says, and he, that's Christ, gave himself, or uh, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or a perfect person to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, it's a long section, so hang with me. Verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctor, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctor by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that's Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to, again, hang with me, last verse in this section, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And that causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the first thing I see there in that section is that Christ gave gifts to all. Bump the person next to you. Look at the person next to you and say, you have gifts. You have gifts. We all have gifts. We all have talents. And when we work in our strengths and we work in our gifts, it's so much fun. Time just passes and there are times where, you know, we got to go fix the garbage disposal. I'm kind of turning away from my wife right now. because yeah. Anyway, so. yes, honey, I promise. By Christmas. No, just kidding. She's going she's gonna to say, but you bought it before. You. Okay, whatever. Right. <coughs> But Christ gave gifts to make the church stronger. Now, I think the, the, the umbrella that I see over Ephesians chapter 4 is Paul, this man of authority, is speaking to the people he knows and loves, and he's saying, hey, guys, you can do better. Let's walk together. Let's pray together. God knows you're going to fail at times because we're human, that's expected. But the Holy Spirit's there to pick us up. Christ is there to pick us up. The Word of God is there to, to lead us, guide us, and direct us. But let's be the best we can be because the world needs us. We live in a broken world. How many would agree? Confused, afraid. Right now, it's a, it's a time for the church to shine, a time for the church to rise. And Christ gave gifts to all of us. And then we go a couple more verses. It says he gave some office gifts special gifts, pastors, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And, um, and, but, but bottom line, he wants to make the church stronger. So leadership gifts, we all have gifts. We work together to make an impact in the broken world. There's a story, an old story, about um, a teacher in Italy, a very small town in Italy, and he came to the point in his life where he was going to retire. And so sometimes in that town, when it was a special person, they would get a little wooden barrel, and everyone from there pantry in their home, they would pour uh, their best glass of wine into this barrel, and if a few people in the village did that, he would end up with a small little barrel of wine, the best wine from the entire village. So that happened, they had the ceremony, a few weeks go by, and this retired teacher now pops the cork, and he's going to pour the, the first glass of his special wine, and as he does, he realizes that it looks like water, and he tastes it, and it tastes like water. And then he realized what happened. Everyone in the village decided, I won't give my best. I'll give a glass of water. I don't want to give up my best. No one will ever know. But everyone did the same. And I think there's a lot of application for the church. Friends, if we're going to be aligned with God's church, I don't, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and say, I want to be a really lousy Christian today. 
I'm going to wake up and say, Lord, I want to give my best for you today. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, like being connected with the local church. We are uh, the answer for this, for this broken world. So you're in a good place right now. I just don't mean the seat that you're in, but you're in a church family. And maybe you're new here. Maybe you're looking. This is a healthy family. And so uh, I got a lot more to say. You guys got a couple more minutes? Um, how, how many would give me like uh, three more minutes? Just raise your hand real quick. Okay. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, twenty, eighteen, twenty, twenty. Oh, man. Oh, I'm, I, I, I counted about 45 or 48, Pastor Dennis. Oh, I got, wow. I might have some more notes here somewhere I could add to the bottom of this. But. All right. So Christ gave gifts to the church. Let's, let's don't be the person that, you know, shows up but doesn't really give. I mean, you know, prayer, labor, tithes, uh, just, just directing your heart towards the strengthening of the church. It, we're way different than the Rotary Club and the, and the PTO and, and the local uh, HOA, right? We, we, we're involved in a lot of things, some of us, but this is the church of Jesus Christ, his, his, his body. So in the midst of the verses that I just read, <coughs> Paul talks about, uh, I, I think I summarize it this way, wisdom and maturity. Wisdom and maturity grow as we serve with love. Now, I like getting older. Every decade that goes by for me, I think I'm a little happier. You guys didn't know me in the first five years of my marriage. My wife's sitting here today, so you know I can't lie. But, uh, you know, or preach evangelistically like some, you know. But I was angry for the first five years of my marriage. My dad was angry. I grew up in a home where there was bickering and arguing, and my dad wanted his way. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we had a big argument over a slice of bread one time, you know. Long story short, uh, I didn't do the right thing, <laughs> okay, and I knew it pretty soon, and, uh, but <clears throat> I think there's something about growing in, in wisdom and growing in uh, maturity. Uh, anybody here ever buy a timeshare? <laughs> How'd that go for you? <laughs> Didn't go well for me, but uh, I'm glad, if it did, I'm glad, it, uh, I'm glad for you. But in this passage where Paul talks about children be tossed to and fro in every wind of doctrine. I get the picture of like children with little boats on the water, like a little pond or a lake, and the wind comes along, and maybe even there's a couple little waves. Uh, children or children's boats can, can, can be like out of control, blown about by winds and waves. And then Paul says, and false teaching is like the wind, and false teachers will do anything to toss us about and cause us to come their way and to believe their lies. Are you tracking with me? So Paul goes on to say here, don't be tricked by them, but speak the truth in love, and then grow together in Christ. I want to brag on Pastor Dave and Pastor Matt, our two, Pastor Dave, our lead pastor, Pastor Matt, one of our teaching pastors. I've been in quite a few churches in my uh, Christian life. Uh, these guys speak from the word, and these guys speak the truth. In a day and age where there's so much entertainment and there's so many imitations, there's so many, you know, prophets that'll tell you what's going to happen at four o'clock tomorrow. You know, I, I think the, the the best word that I want is when someone says, "I have a word for you." Okay, well, what chapter and verse is it? If we stick close to the word, how many think we'll be safe in the long run? Amen. There is a place for prophets in this world. There's certainly a place for apostles, evangelists, and pastors, teachers. 
But again, I have been very, very impressed over the months that I've been involved in Hillside because I'm, I'm a new guy, remember? But the, the, the depth of the word, the truth of the word, Pastor Dave and Pastor Matt, you guys really should be, should be um, know that you're blessed to have such uh, mighty men in, in the word. Because the Apostle Paul here is saying, don't be tossed about like wind and waves by this false teaching or false doctrine. Find the truth, stick to the truth, learn the truth. If you, if you see, if we know the truth, we can speak the truth in love. How many know that's true? But, but if you don't know the truth, you can't speak the truth. So <clears throat> I think um, as a believer, you know, I've kind of said it already, but just be careful who you listen to. And stay in God's word and stay close to, close to your leaders. So, all right, we're going to jump into the next section here. Uh, we're all the way to verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, only 8,632 more to go. No, just kidding. But. All right, <clears throat> let's see how far we get here. So, long section, I'll do my best just to read through it quickly. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes to us and he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past healing have, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. What the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be like that, okay? Don't do that. Now he turns the page, he turns the coin over, and he says, but you, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you shall put off concerning your former conduct, conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Everybody say renewed. Yes, Lord, renew us in the spirit of our mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not give place to the devil. So I think uh, this last section of... Uh, Ephesians here, I would call it like the, the walk righteous. We're to, we're to walk righteous. And I don't even know if I gave you the, did I give you the three walks? Okay, walk, uh, let's see, walk united, walk righteous, and the first one was walk worthy. Okay, it's probably on the screen. I'm not looking at it back there, so I need a, I need a bicycle mirror here so I can see. But oh, yeah, they're over there. I better speed up. I better slow down. <coughs> so Paul talks about these evil deeds. Just don't be like that. And, and, I, and I think when I, when I look around the world, for whatever reason, there, there are those, and maybe there's always going to be those, who, who have hard hearts and live selfishly. I mean, it's sad. Because I, I think the greatest enjoyment of life is just loving and, and, and serving others. There's also, sometimes I think what we miss uh, when I talk about, you know, walk righteous, is that there's a power uh, of righteousness that impacts our world. You know, there have been those who say that the church 
the force of the church on the earth pushes back uh, evil. And if it, that if the church was extracted from the earth, that so much more evil would fall into place. So you and I, just as individuals who decided to align ourselves with the church, we decided, I think for most of us, we want to be the best Christian we can be. We want to listen to the word. We want to listen to leaders. We want to love others, serve others. And we don't want to be like these that Paul talked about, hard hearts and, and living selfishly. But, but there's, a, there's, there's a righteousness that, that blossoms or blooms among us. And we don't want to go around calling ourselves righteous or holy necessarily, but the Word of God does. The power of righteousness, I think, is greatly underestimated in that your good works and your prayers and your loving and serving others makes a huge difference in lives around you. I, I think the impact that most of us are going to make once we're gone, we'll never know. It's, you know, we probably shouldn't know because I know <laughs> some, it's just, it'll be a pride issue. But if you're serving God, you're loving Jesus, and you're serving others, you're praying, you're worshiping, you're making an impact. And there is a power in this, this, this sometimes, um, I don't want to say undiscovered, but undiscussed uh, righteousness that's in the earth because of the church. Again, Paul says, bottom line, darkened minds and blinded hearts will separate you from God. So don't live like that. Don't be there. And then he says to us, never forget that you were made, verse 20 through 24. Never forget you were made to follow Christ. I'm a Jesus follower, how about you? I'm a child of God, how about you? I mean, we just sang that. And I know sometimes it's hard to, you know, walk out the door of our home and, and oh yeah, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christ follower, but the world needs us. We're, we're, we're put here for a purpose. Remember, uh, when the Bible talks about the the power and love of heaven. That the power and love of heaven, you know, it doesn't come in a vaccine. <laughs> the power and love of heaven doesn't necessarily just come in a book. The power and love of heaven just doesn't nearly doesn't necessarily show up in a church building. But the power and love of heaven is exported through the earth through you and me. We, you and me, we are the distribution system of the power and love of heaven on the earth. If if God doesn't use us, who's he going to use? We're it, folks. We are the ones to bring life and healing to a broken world around us, one person at a time. You know, I can do that, I, one person at a time. You know, I've been a pastor for a number of years. got saved when I was age 18. We had cars back then. And, uh, but nevertheless, I remember in my 20s, I wanted to go win the world. My 30s, I wanted to go win the nation. My 40s, I wanted to go win my state. The 50s, I wanted to go win my city. My 60s now, I hope I die with a couple of friends, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> sometimes our world kind of shrinks in, but, but, but nevertheless, you know, let's, let's love Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, connect with the church, make that church stronger, that's, that's, again, that's kind of the umbrella of what I see here in Ephesians chapter where the Apostle Paul said, hey guys, here's some tips, you know, I'm your, I'm your apostle, but I want to, I've been there with you. And I want to give you some tips to how to be stronger, how to live righteous, how to live holy. Never forget that you were made to follow Christ. Remember, the, uh, there is a before and after in many of our lives, unless you, you know, like got saved when you were four, kicking the slats in the you know, nursery or something. But the old or the new person, the Bible talks about that. I, and I think Paul is saying to us, be the new person. 
And for me, one of the, one of the ways that I do that is I do my very best to, to focus my heart and my mind on the things of Christ. Uh, do I like eating chocolate? Do I like eating big burgers? Do I like, I mean, it's just stuff I just want to go, you know, go all out, no discipline. You know, you can do that once in a while because, hey, it's chocolate. It's a burger, right? But we can't live like that. We, we, we want to be focused and, and do what we know is the right thing to do. So now in verse, uh, uh, the last section here, or next to the last section, uh, Paul, gets, Paul gets a little personal. He tells these people, he says, well, don't lie. Well, it was just a white lie. Well, you know, no, he says, don't lie. He says, don't lie, and he, sa- and he says, nor should you stay angry. So he's instructing the church with some very specific things, issues that he's probably seen there. So <clears throat> when I was young, growing up in Florida, one day I stole some grapefruits from the neighbor lady's tree. We had citrus trees everywhere, living in central Florida. In a moment of rebellion, when she caught me and my friends who were styling around the neighborhood on our bikes with banana seats and tall handlebars, right? Uh, in a moment of rebellion, when she caught me and my friends, and sometimes we're just rats, we're just ratty kids, you know, pull the grapefruits off and throw them on the ground, we don't care. And, but it's good fruit, right? And so uh, at one of these times, uh, we got caught, and um, so she's, her house was kind of sideways to the back, and it was, the subdivision was built with an alley. Remember those certain neighborhoods around the country have alleys, and put your trash in the back, and garbage pickup out back, and so her door was on the side, so she could open her door and look right out of their trees, and we had rode our bicycles up in the alley. And so here we are, three of us, and we're laughing and, you know, kicking around, and so here we are pulling these grapefruits. She says, you kids, get away from there, you know. Yeah, we know we're trespassing. Yeah, we know, but she knows us. She knows where we live. She knows our parents, and we were just, you know, fooling around. Well, in my uh, lack of wisdom, I decided when she opened the door and yelled at us that I would do something really dumb. I threw a grapefruit at her. No, I threw a grapefruit at her house. But it almost hit her because the door was open and she's halfway out the door. Here comes this big grapefruit, right? And so she steps back in real quick, slams the door, and bam, the do- you know, the grapefruit hit the door. Well, it wasn't long. She was calling my mother, who was home in the afternoon, and it was kind of like, okay, I know when my father gets home, I'm going to be in trouble. Because my father had a good friend that held up his pants, and I called her the persuader. Okay? All right? The persuader. I was afraid now that I might have a meeting with a persuader, which I did. But nevertheless, I'll never forget one of the things that my father would say to me. He says, this is what I heard. Is this true? Yes, Dad. Uh, did you, were you the one who, uh, yes, Dad. Were you, did, yeah, okay, yes, Dad, okay. But he would always say to me, <clears throat> he would always say, <clears throat> tell me what happened and tell me the truth. And if I find out that you're lying, you're going to get it worse later, okay? And so, guess what? I told the truth. How many think I made the right decision? <laughs> okay? And I told the truth for at least two reasons. I didn't want to go through that, you know, have another meeting with the persuader. Uh, and I also found out from my, you know, in my very minimal years that I'd lived, I found out that at times when I'd lied, that, that I couldn't, didn't remember the lie that I'd made up. You ever notice that? Because, you know, it was always better to tell the truth. And then one day when I got a little older and a little wiser, I realized there's a principle that we can really lean on and trust. The truth always exists and lies have to be created. Truth always exists. Truth is truth. The word of God is truth. The gospel is truth. 
the local church gathering together. We're Christ's body. Uh, uh, this, is, we're, this is the true measure of, of what our world was created for, to tell people in our broken world, to tell others about God's love. That's a truism. And so I, I also found out that lies alienate us from God. He knows that when others don't, right? If you lie to somebody today, tomorrow, is, uh, did you hear that one? You know, he knows, all right? So, so God always knows when others don't. And also, <clears throat> the scripture here talks about do not lie and not, do not be angry. It says, it says don't be angry and sin. There is a, such a thing as a righteous anger. And if you get angry, make sure with other people, make sure that you solve it by the end of the day. Don't let that carry on. Because if you see, if you let it go past the end of the day, what's to say there could be 100 days and you're still angry at the person? I think the scripture is saying, cut it off. Get it, get it taken care of right away. Don't be angry. But here's what I found. that uh, I found that anger alienates us from people. See, the Apostle Paul, who loves the church and loves these people in Ephesus so much, he's saying, hey, don't lie, don't be angry. Because anger alienates us from people. It's like a thief. It wrecks, it steals, and it wrecks our heart and our home, and it steals healthy relationships and, and steals positive memories. It's so much that anger, just it's a thief, and, and uh, it comes to steal, kill, and destroy like the spiritual enemy does. So, okay. Um, I think we're at our last section now. Pastor Dennis, if I get done early, should I just go ahead and roll over into chapter 5? What do you think, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. He says, keep going. All right. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. I'm watching the clock, too. <clears throat> Verse 28 of Ephesians chapter 4. Again, kind of the last passage that the Apostle Paul is going to speak to us today, or, or speaking from his word. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And finally, the last verse of Ephesians chapter 4, and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. <clears throat> well, it's not often that you see the scriptures talking about the subject of work. But it seems Paul, Paul is saying to those uh, among that church there, there must have been some, remember he'd lived there, he knew these people, there must have been some who had crossed over from just being lazy but now they've become thieves to steal for what they need. And so remember, he did deal with the subject of work in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 when he said if you don't work, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I'm not sure how they cut off that buffet line, <laughs> right? But somehow they had, a, they had a system. But he's saying here there's some that have gone even beyond that, not just working, but they've, they've, they're, they're stealing from others to meet their needs. They think only of themselves, and Paul says stop. He says, go to work. But what's interesting is he doesn't just say, don't be lazy and don't be, uh, don't be stealing. And go to, he says, go to work with the purpose also of helping others in need. I think that's a very important principle because we often forget that because we don't own anything, 
on this earth, we're stewards. The way, the way I see the Word of God frames it up, you know, whatever car, bicycle, motorcycle, clothes, stuff that you own, that you, you know, manage, steward, you, you, we're really stewards. So Paul's saying, <clears throat> you know, when you go to work, always think of others. Because even if you only have $3 or $5 today, there's someone that only has 50 cents. And so there's a generosity that is that really is uh, written into this passage that we often miss, we often forget. I would encourage you this week, when you see, and oftentimes I'll ask the Lord for opportunities. A lot of, I mean, it's amazing how sometimes the beginning of your day or the day, the night before, whatever, Lord, tomorrow, just have, I want to see something happen. Lord, would you make this? And then the next thing you know, there's someone, and someone you find in need, and someone needs a prayer. And so <clears throat> be open to the Lord. So when we work, we also want to <clears throat> take care of those in need. Then he goes on again to talk about our speech. Boy, has this guy got a thing for how we talk? Not once, not twice. This is like seven or eight times now he's saying, watch what you say. So I've summarized this in verse 29. Uh, you know, he says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. I, I think uh, let's take the negative and turn it around to a positive. Uh, let your words strengthen others. Let your words strengthen others. Uh, <clears throat> some of you may remember, <clears throat> uh, I know there was a generation or two that had a childhood chant. It used to go something like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Boy, how wrong we were. <laughs> <clears throat> words do matter. Be careful. <clears throat> Be thoughtful. Uh, be deliberate in how you speak to others. Again, I think the principle is that your words should help people grow. <clears throat> Sharon and I raised two sons. They're grown men, married, with families and kids. They're proud grandparents of five, five little ones, which they're not so little anymore, but nevertheless, I love being a grandpa. <clears throat> But I remember uh, my desire for many years when our sons were younger that I wanted to, and I've been a pastor a lot of years, but when uh, I was younger and our kids were younger, I'd, I'd always want to say prayers with them at bedtime. And for a while they, had, they were in the bunk beds and then later on they had their own rooms. And so for many, many years I would be able and have the opportunity to go upstairs and uh, just by their bunk beds and sometimes kneel, stand, whatever, and talk. It wasn't a long talk, like 10, 15 minutes. It was usually like, Hey, you know, pray for you guys, and and I might have a question or two or a thought or two, but I would pray for them. And uh, as a young father, and I remember I told you a few minutes ago, I think for the first five years of my marriage, I was angry, just like 24/7. You know, I could cover it up a lot of times, but I was just, you know, I'd, I'd come from a home where there was a lot of anger, and so point where felt like God had tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You need to humble yourself, and you need to begin apologizing to your family." You need, when you mess up and when you make mistakes, you need to begin apologizing to your wife. You need to begin apologizing. Your sons need to see you and hear you apologizing to them. And I picked up that practice. And I will say today uh, that my sons and I have a dynamic relationship. And I think part of it is that they saw a dad who, uh, and I think my wife still likes me too, but anyway, so... <laughs> Actually, we're best friends, really in love, and it's been 40-plus years, so I, it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make this thing work somehow, right? And, 
But, uh, but from time to time, I would, I knew that I needed to humble myself, go to my wife, sometimes all three of them, or just my sons or whatever, and say, you know, I messed up. I messed up. Please forgive me. I, I should, you know. And there's, there's a power in that because words matter. Uh, your words, our words, should help people grow. So, <clears throat> last two or three verses here, Ephesians 4. One version says, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, or uh, is it you're marked, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit, or don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow. And, and, and I think that it is true that you and I are stamped, we're marked as God's property by the Holy Spirit. When, when we came to know Christ, there's an eternal stamp. I call it sometimes church is kind of like, uh, or Christian life is like EMT, or like eternal mission training. We're never going to get it completely right, but it's, we're in training every day. It's eternal mission training, EMT. And so you and I are stamped or marked by God's Spirit, and we're stamped or marked that we're a son or daughter of God, but also that we're stamped or marked, you know, it's kind of like our ticket's punched for eternity. We're, we're, we're ready to go when it's time for Christ uh, uh, to call us up. And so, so I would say, again, let's don't be lousy Christians. <laughs> I don't want to be that any day. Uh, let's do our best to live for Christ. Now, I, 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 I briefly mentioned this earlier. <clears throat> and here's the question again. Don't you think that God saw that we would fail at times? Because my, my, my title is human, not saint. Okay? Your title is human. So we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. People sometimes fall into addictions. People sometimes will do terrible things. That, that, that people can do. And we have a human frame. But I, I, I always say, say as many prayers as you need to or confess as many times as you need to to get back with God. Amen. If you get off track, let's get back with God. God knows your frame. He knows your habits and who you are. And uh, he knew that we would fail. So let's stop condemning ourselves and just don't spend all that time and energy condemning ourselves. Let's spend time and energy just running back to God. And again, I said this earlier, when we are weak, the Holy Spirit is there to take over when we might otherwise give up. Sometimes I say, sometimes I say the Holy Spirit's like a Red Bull or, or, or a, fi a five-shot latte. He'll get you through the day, okay? So when you're weak, just, say, just tell him, Lord, I'm weak. I'm angry. I'm, I'm upset. I, I don't know what to do about this situation. Lord, what's your will here? What would you have me to do? Lord, help me to keep my, you know, my mouth shut and help me to not to react. You see, there's, a, there's this picture that I get from time to time. Uh, I'm just about done here. I'm watching the clock. All right. I think we're on time. Uh, uh, but have you ever seen those um, uh, video clips like National Geographic or whatever? You've got this giant whale going through the deep. And the force and the weight of that giant whale literally and like mathematically is displacing millions of tons of water. No one, no, nothing created can do what, the, what that whale does so effectively and so efficiently. And a lot of times there's those little fishies, you know, maybe not the right word, but those little ones, that are, they're on top, and they're just back from the top of the head of the whale. And what are they doing? They're just like, right, right? They're having fun because they don't have to displace that weight that's in front of them. They're kind of going along for a free ride. And sometimes I get that picture that, like, my God is doing the heavy work. 
And, and, and I can get into a rhythm. You and I can get into a rhythm. And we can get into a place where we flow with Him. And, and his, his will is our will and our will is His will. And, and that the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over and leads us and guides us. And I would say today as I close, <clears throat> and as preacher says, that doesn't really mean anything. But <laughs> I'm trying to close. I'm trying to close. <clears throat> Seriously, though. I would say... Let's learn that we can fail, and let's learn that God knows that, and then let's partner with God's Spirit. Don't disappoint Him. He's ready, God's Spirit. Don't disappoint Him. He's ready and willing to lead you and guide you. And I would say let's learn. And one of my toughest things that I've learned over the years is trying to learn is learning to depend on Him. It's not on your shoulders. It's not on my shoulders. Let's just be obedient hour by hour, day by day. So finally, last two verses, verse 31, 32. Paul kind of, I want to summarize what he's saying here. It's just overcome immaturity. This is the big section about, you know, get rid of bitterness, hatred, anger, you know, among other things. Bitterness, hatred, anger. Ugh. Bitterness, hatred, anger. Ugh. You know, kind of sounds like the unholy trio. Bitterness, hatred, anger. Isn't it just like the devil? Buy one, get two free, three free, five free, right? You know, the devil's generous too, kind of in an evil sort of way, right? But the Apostle Paul says, get rid of this. You know, outgrow your immature practices. Outgrow your immature attitudes. You know, get rid of bitterness. Don't let that grow. And, and again, say as many prayers as confess as many times as you need to to get rid of those things. Walk free in Christ. Do whatever you have to do. And I would say, looking at verse 32 of Ephesians 4, our last verse, that Paul's just to summarize this verse. He's saying that we should strive to genuinely care for others and always be forgiving. There's something about the power of forgiveness that I think we underestimate in our lives. Remember Matthew 18, if we don't forgive, we'll be put in prison. And someone said unforgiveness is kind of like us taking a poison pill and hoping the other person dies, right? <laughs> so the person we have on our mind. And so... Uh, strive to genuinely care for others, be forgiving, don't be selfish, think of the other person, do your best to love others, and you will fulfill the law of Christ. Amen? So uh, if you'd like to stand, uh, let's close with a short prayer. <clears throat> Papa God, thank you for today, and it's just a great day to be alive. And we do ask, Lord, that you strengthen those in our church that are ill today and those that couldn't be among us. And Continue to help the power of the gospel to go forth. Uh, your love for the church, Lord, your body is just so amazing. It's so immense. And so, Lord, uh, I, I know for many of us, we want to do our best. Uh, every hour, every day for the rest of our lives, Lord, we want to strengthen the church and grow the church. If we didn't, Lord, buildings like this would be empty in 10 or 20 years. What about our kids? What about our grandkids? Lord, help us, you know, to see the next generation's uh, serving your church as well. So I pray you bless your word this day. Anything that we take, Lord, of the spirit, I pray that that would, that would be embedded in us for all of eternity. So again, Lord, uh, thank you for the privilege to gather here today in your house, in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says a lot, amen? Amen, amen. amen. All right, we'll hug a couple of necks, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. Have a great day. Thank you.